The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami. You're listening to the second part of a two-part interview that I did at the 2017 Festival of Faiths with Joan Brown Campbell and Karen Armstrong. If you missed the first part, you can listen to it by going to spiritualityhealth.com and downloading that episode. The interview was conducted on location, so pardon the ambient noise, but it's really fascinating and worth a listen. Let let me ask you something. So in the Bible, Leviticus 19.18, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. We were talking about humans being intrinsically violent. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the Hasidic rabbi Nachman of Bratzlaw. Mm-hmm. So 1800s, great-grandson of the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of Hasidism. He said that we're misreading the text. Mm-hmm. So the Hebrew is, Ve'ahavta l're'echa kamocha. Uh, love, ve'ahavta l're'echa, your neighbor, re is your neighbor, kamocha, like yourself. Because the Bible itself, the Hebrew itself, in a Torah scroll, has no vowels, mm. for thousands of years, Jews have been encouraged to put any vowels you want, see what comes up. <laughs> so Nachman said, don't read it, ve'ahavta echa, your neighbor, kamocha, love your neighbor as yourself. Read it as ve'ahavta echa, means your evil, your dark side, mm-hmm. your intrinsic violence. Love that as yourself. Own it, work with that, and don't project it onto Very your neighbor. Nice. And then you will love your neighbor yes. because you realize what you hate is, yes. is Very in, nice. is in you. So that, that speaks to, I think, what what you're saying. Yeah, I, that's, yeah. that's fascinating. That, I, I like that. That is very fascinating. Um, and <laughs> also, <laughs> not a happy thought. No? In, in I don't know. one, you what, know, at one level. Well, I mean, you know, you must love your neighbor as you love yourself. I mean, the, but the, it doesn't say that. No, no, that's over. That, that's something. That's Oprah. Yes, right. But uh, I, I think it's, uh, you know, some of these things that we talk about for years and they go by generations. We don't analyze exactly what it's saying. Oh, that's and right. And I, I think that's, you know, people just they say it as though. It has a meaning that it, it is a challenge. Well, in one of the, yeah, go ahead. Well, what I, I, well, the whole idea of projecting your dark side onto the he- enemy, this is what has been done right. throughout history. Um, we project, I mean, you saw it at the time of the Crusades, for example. It was uh, Christians who made a totally unprovoked assault on the Muslim world, slaughtered we are told 30,000 people in two days when they conquered Jerusalem. And at some level, they must have realized this was not what the gospel was about. Jesus had told his followers to love their enemies, not to exterminate them. Uh, But, and it was at this time that you have the scholar bucks of Europe 
saying that Islam is, an Islam is an intrinsically violent religion, pushing the dark side. Well, we're still saying that, lots of people. Yes, and that has stuck. That has yeah. stuck in the, in the Western psyche. And a, a sense of buried guilt, too. Mm. Um, and similarly with the Jewish people, I think. Uh, the, a lot of, was projected at the same time the Jews were also victims of the Crusaders. Sure. It was easier to kill Jews on the way to the, and the, the Holy Land. And a lot of them didn't know them. why they were going to the Holy Land right. when Jews who'd killed Jesus, as they, as they mistakenly thought, were alive and well right. on their very doorsteps. Why go all the way to... And, and the banner was God wills it. I mean, that, that's... Um, but in fact, again, even here, um, the crusading uh, leaders were very upfront about their holy secular ambitions. Um, we never go to war uh, for a single reason. Oh, right. right. Um, there are always multiple uh, levels involved. One of the things we like doing is giving things a nobility, uh, giving it a sense of meaning, and, in, and so we, we elevate it, as it were. But um, the, the, that idea of projecting, the, and also I think going us, for us today in the Muslim world, um, I think there's a lot of projection of our, the way we, uh, colonialists, uh, treated the Muslim peoples in our empire um, and showed no respect for their cultural or territorial um, uh, ideas and uh, set up these badly uh, put together states. Oh, the whole Sykes-Pico thing at the end of World War. Terrible. Uh, uh, which IS is now dismantling or trying to. Right. Right. Um, uh, the, the states that was, so this again is a projection of uh, our unwillingness to accept what, what we did. Right, right. Let, let me, we have about 10 minutes. Okay. Let me change the topic mm -hmm. uh, to something that you and I talked about when, uh, Joan, you brought Karen and I to Chautauqua and I managed to, we went out to lunch. I was going to say I took you to lunch, but it was free because you paid for it, Joan. <laughs> Oh, but, uh, I don't remember. It's not my own money. So I no, no, no. But we got the little pass. I know. And I'm just... So, so we were sitting in the hotel. We're having a discussion. Uh, my favorite book of Karen Armstrong's is The Great uh, Transformation, about the axial age. And I'm going to ask you to just define that briefly for us, for the listeners. But then I want to talk about if either one of you or both of you or neither of you think... And, and I know what comes, as a historian, you can't do this really, but if we are in a second axial age. So, so tell us a little bit about the axial turning, and then we'll open it up and see where it goes. Well, there, were, there was a period uh, of history uh, when in four distinct quarters of the world, in China, India, uh, Israel, and Greece, um, that it, there was a step forward in, in people's think, thinking and morality, uh, all bearing a similar cast of, of mind, very much concentrating on uh, compassion, on the notion of suffering, the, suffer the inherent suffering of human life, and an interiorization of religion from the um, from, from ex concentration on external rituals to developing spiritualities such as yoga, for example, which was created during the, the axial period. But each of them developed the notion of compassion and said that this, this was essential. Um, so uh, 
and, and, and the reason for, for that, apart from the fact that this was also a very violent period, and they were saying that, look, if we don't behave like this, we'll slaughter one another to death. And that's horribly true today. Um, but the, so there was that. But also the endless, as Confucius said, day, do it all day and every day, means that every day you have, every moment of the day, you are transcending the ego. Um, and that, but putting aside your own desires and putting yourself in the position of the other. Um, and that, they all said, was the, the safest way to gain enlightenment, unless you get rid of the ego that's constantly calling attention to itself, saying, I want, I, 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 I am, I, I must dominate, I must control, letting that go. Uh, that, is, that is the way to, 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 it's ego that holds us back from our best selves. So what about now? Do you think we're, and with all these interfaith conferences like Festival of Faiths in Louisville, starting maybe in uh, 1893 with the first world parliament, world, uh, parliament of world's religions in Chicago, I want to believe that that's the beginning of a second axial age. And I know that Karen said, ask her in 200 years, and she can tell us. But Joan, you have a sense of it? Um, in a philosophical way, I mean, this is a discussion that often is carried on in a more philosophical, not practical. I don't mean that's a bad thing to do. But I think one of the issues that we face is how do you get, I'm a mother, and when you raise children, how do you think about something like that? And how, how does that enter into your child raising uh, role to play? I mean, people don't, they don't transcend and become like this unless there's somewhere that they've been brought to think this is something you can think about. And I think for many people, they don't analyze their day or their reactions to things. And there's, there's a, I mean, I'm very worried right now because I think there is a great increase of violence. And that there is, we're being faced with much more violence, much more open violence, and often uh, th these are not people that uh, have reason to be violent. This is something that breaks out, and we quickly say they're not mentally uh, solid. But I think we have something else going on, that violence is becoming the answer to questions that can't be answered in a very dangerous way. And I think that, that the root of that, when it becomes violent, then I think we have to begin to worry about what's happening. I mean, what, where is this coming from? But that could be the catalyst as it was maybe from the first time. Yes, that it was. It was, it was, it was, it was a, re, a response to the violence. Um, and um, so, you see, you talk about all these interfaith things. I mean, I have just come from London, where, uh, which is the worst market for my books. Uh, my friends think I'm insane to spend my time on this outdated stuff. Uh, anything to do with religion is just scorned. And that is very prevalent in Northern Europe. Um, now, and so that this is another, uh, a, this is another, this whole abandonment of, of the idea of, of spirituality. 
turning to more to things like psychoanalysis, perhaps, or uh, therapy, or that kind. Of, but the churches are empty. I mean, in in London, the churches have become uh, art galleries or restaurants or trendy apartment blocks. And only 6% of the population attend a religious service regularly in Britain, and most of those are Muslim. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. But here, what we're facing, it seems to me, in the United States is churches, many of them are full. Mm. And that's also a problem. Mm. Because the question is not, is the church full? Do people go to the mass? Do people go to... For, for whatever religion they have, it seems as though where it is the most uh, um, accepted is not the right word, but where it's the most present is because it's taking people not in the positive direction of suffering and and being conscious of how people are being hurt and damaged and how you can come to relieve that kind of pain and suffering. It's much more protective. And I think that that's another kind of concern to have is where there where there may be a lot of churches. What what are they teaching, mm-hmm. and what what who's who is belonging there? I mean, in our most recent election, uh, a lot of the Trump support really came from people who are very loyal to their churches and would be there every Sunday. And the the way he spoke about what this country should be fit in with their religion. And that, I think, people are not concerned enough about the role that religion is playing or how people are understanding or call it what they're calling to be faithful. I think yeah. for many of us, we would think no. So religion can be both a yes. source of compassion, but also this... I think the danger, of course, what's the... You're thinking of something essential that is religion. Right. Uh, whereas, in fact... That's a modern distinction, um, and people, the, the, the other cultures have no word for religion in Judaism. There's no word. There's no word for religion in this sense. Similarly, in Islam, din, translated religion, means a whole way of life, because a religion transcended or you know it transfused all activities, uh, um, and so. To, Compartmentalizing it as we have done in this in our secular world, say religions here, well, that's politics is enlightenment. Yes, right? that's it, it was. It was but in, in countries where it's the other way. In, in Israel, it seems to be going toward mm, yes, uh, you know, a kind of theocracy. Going. Yes, uh, certainly in parts of the United States, they're looking to do that. Um, yes. In many uh, Muslim countries, it's it's very theocratic, and it often is. It's it's measured by rules. Rules and tribalism, yes. and tribalism fear of the yeah. other, and, and aggression. And, how do and those yes. places are not the compassionate places. Of no. 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 So we, we've only got a couple minutes left. I have to <laughs> let you go. So we'll just last words. So, Joan, you want to say something? That, I mean, you've got people listening all over the 
a planet here. So what can we say to get them on the compassion path? You know, I wish I had an answer to that. I mean, I wish I could quickly say, um, I, I, what I say to my children is, we're living in a dangerous time. And I don't say that to scare them. I can't scare them anymore, they're grown up. Uh, but I think it is, that is not a good reason to be people of faith, is that we're living in dangerous times. And so somehow the very, I kind of look back to my own childhood. I was brought up in an old United Presbyterian church and Scotch Covenanter churches where faith was a part of life. It wasn't just Sunday It was uh, or Saturday. It was, how does this change your life? How do you become more, uh, more in our religion, we would say, how, did you be, how do you become more like what Jesus thought we ought to be? And I kind of despair at what people call religion because at, it's, it's, not, it's not deep, it isn't. Even in the days of the Civil Rights Movement, one of the gifts of Dr. King was that he took religion and he gave it a kind of strength and power that called for people not just to change issues of, of what he was suffering with, but to change their very understanding, their own being, so that it became uh, something that created a different you. You know, I'm going to come to you, Karen, in a minute, but I guess made me think of something. I think it was the beginning of the Gulf War, uh, of the Iraq War, when we were gearing up for that. Larry King invited a bunch of pastors on the show to talk about religion and the war, and specifically, they're all Christians, specifically Christians, and he asked them, how do you justify your support of the war, the coming war, with Jesus saying, blessed are the peacemakers? And they all sort of, you know, hemmed and hawed. But Billy Graham's uh, daughter... Uh, spoke up and she said that we're going to go to war when we kill all of our enemies there will be peace and that's how you reconcile blessed are the peacemakers (laughs) what Jesus was saying was kill everybody who's in my way and then we're going to have peace so there you go (laughs) so Karen last thoughts what could one say how could one follow that Um, for me um I, don't, I think that we've got to start thinking globally, which is what we're not doing. We're receding into sort of nationalistic ghettos uh, right across the board. Uh, the Brexit vote uh, in the UK, uh, America first, says Donald Trump, though he seems to be getting into lots of uh, international adventures already. But, uh, but uh, which, so basically, until we... The, the only hope we have, uh, the only hope that I can see is to, to promote this idea that you have to transcend this sense of self, not make it a god, uh, not uh, idealize it or, or, or project it onto your nation. We've got now to think globally because we've created a global society. Uh, where we're linked together profoundly economically, where our economies are entirely interdependent. We all face the same uh, uh, environmental threat. Uh, we are linked together on the World Wide Web uh, as never before. We, it's, it's insane. Almost this retreat into these nationalistic yes. ghettos is, is a fear 
of, of, of the global society that we have created. But we have created, we can't put it back. And uh, so now the golden rule is our only way of survival. We can't go round doing what the British did in their colonies uh, in the you know in the 18th 19th centuries, uh, or what 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 colonial empire builders did all over the world. You can't do that anymore. That has resulted now. We we go around spouting all these ideals about freedom and independence and equality, but we we don't produce it. And so people feeling left behind in both my country and your country. Uh, have contributed to this uh, sense of Britain first, let's make Britain great again, is the cry. I think, for God's sake, no. Uh, we were bad enough when we were great last time. Don't let's unleash ourselves on the world once more. Somehow, we've got to, real, to come to terms with the global society we've created, and that means that equality means equality for everybody. We've now created a new aristocracy. It's called the West and the Rest. Uh, the, the vast inequity of, of, of resources, uh, the migrants who can see on their te mobile phones the way we live and are coming to, 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 to try to participate in it. Uh, people don't want to think like this, as, as our recent elections show. But unless now we ensure that all peoples, whoever they are, whether we like them or not, particularly if we don't, are treated with the decency that we would expect, we can expect more terrorism. So this concludes part two of our two-part interview with Joan Brown Campbell and Karen Armstrong. I did the interview at the 2017 Festival of Faith. It was their 22nd annual Festival of Faith in Louisville, Kentucky. And something that I really enjoyed. It was a very valuable experience. And if you get a chance to go to next year's 23rd annual Festival of Faiths, it's well worth your time. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. We talk to the animals, and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast, hosted by the three of us myself, Julie Heert, Karen Dendy Smith, and Meredith Tollison. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.